Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans, for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy, Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up, three-pointer, bang, bang, it's good, Dodgers wins the game at the buzzer. Don't miss a beat, whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four, for four, welcome to the NBA. The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Coast to Coast. I'm Ronan Game and joining me, of course, is my co-host Christian Nambu. What's up, man? What's going on, Ronan? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's been, been uh, a week where we finally have some NBA action to talk about, which is uh, always a fun way to start off the podcast. Preseason is underway. Only, only a couple of games, but any, any, uh, any early preseason overreactions uh, that you're seeing across the pond there? Oh, I have so many overreactions. I was overreacting to absolutely everything. And it's just so good to have basketball back. Like, I don't have to go on YouTube and be looking up highlights from last year or, or be sharing these open gym shots that we're seeing all year long. And I finally can get my teeth into some of these games. And we saw a lot. I I think we, we've seen a lot. We've seen maybe some overreactions, maybe some some real things to talk about maybe not so real. Um, and I think the biggest news we got to start with is what you're calling the Lakers third star, Taylor Horton Tucker. What do you think about this guy? This guy's going crazy. I mean, Hey, you gotta, you gotta respect the guy. I mean, he's, he's coming out here in his second year. We didn't see him at all last year and he, he he's kind of blown it up. I mean, his first two games playing against the Clippers, no AD, no LeBron game one. He goes, 19 points, 19 boards, four assists, three steals. And then if that wasn't big enough for him, he goes into game two and he does even goes even bigger. 33 points, 10 boards, four assists and four steals. And he also goes four or five from three point land. I mean, this guy has just been a pre he's the preseason MVP, but um, I think, unfortunately, I think when we actually get to the regular season, we ain't going to see too much of this guy. All right, that, that's 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 my main question, right? That's my main question. And this just goes to show like how much I don't know him at all. Taylor Horton Tucker. I've been calling him Taylor for the past five days. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, this guy's going crazy. And it's 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 some shots that I've been seeing him put up, like these step backs, these Euros, like these legit NBA moves. I see that actually translating on the floor, but where is he going to get minutes? Can he get minutes ahead of Schroeder? Can he get minutes ahead of Wes Matthews? Is he going to get minutes playing alongside LeBron, playing alongside AD? Is he going to get minutes ahead of Caruso? I don't know. I don't know, but man, he's been impressive. It's been crazy to watch something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great for Lakers fans, especially. I mean, uh, no AD and no LeBron the first couple of games, and this guy stepped out onto the court, and uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's looked absolutely awesome, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think when we get into the regular season, this is a, this is a guy we're probably going to see, barring some injuries, we're going to see this guy come onto the court mainly uh, in blowout wins. I think, unfortunately for for young for young Taylor, and I think that's going to be uh, that's going to be his role on this Lakers team. Well, shout out for Taylor. He's a Simeon Chicago product. A couple other guys you might know: Jabari Parker, Derrick Rose. Kendrick Nunn. Chicago's got some ballers, and this is clearly one of them. I, I'm interested to see if he if he gets his fair share. LeBron seems to be liking what he's seeing out there. He's jumping off the bench at every move he's making. Um, but he's not the, the only guy who is lighting the league on fire with the news here. LaMelo Ball, as scoreless and inefficient as he's looked, just as we predicted, has put up some crazy highlights I mean, just that that behind the back pass, going full speed, no look. That's prime time. 
Like there, there are very, very few players in this league that can make that pass. Like that's, he's, he's already, like I said, man, he's already probably like a top 10 playmaker in this league. Is that an overreaction? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to say, but at the same time, it's kind of hard to argue with that. The biggest kind of thing I'm worrying about after picking him for rookie of the year is this guy looks like a walking highlight reel, but he doesn't look like too much more aside from that. I mean, just look at his shooting in the first two games. Game one, put up zero points. He went zero of five from the field and zero of three from three-point land. Then game two, he decides to finally make his first basket, a nice little step back three. But in the end, goes three of ten from field goal, and he goes two of six in three point land. I mean, and he's got and he's got the stare down, the bench stare down. <laughs> he has got the, he's got that down now. Don't don't get me wrong, but I mean, um, this is in preseason where you kind of would expect him to be a bit more a little bit more comfortable. But yeah, that 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 that, that stat line is going to need to jump up big time if this guy is going to have the big year. But end of the day we all we all th- were hoping that this guy was going to be fun to watch and that that's absolutely the case when you watch this guy i mean give me all the lamello ball miles bridges connections all season long i mean that my that dunk by miles bridges that's he does that so often and i i'm looking at him and the way that he just gets up at the rim and just dunks it through and he's got to be the one of the best dunkers in the league in my opinion I mean, he's just ferocious. He reminds me, he gives me shades of Vince Carter, the way he dunks the ball. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I mean, obviously, insanity is probably probably number one, especially number one over 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 the last probably twenty years. Um, but man, he's gonna have a lot of chances this year playing playing with playing with Lamelo anyway. Yeah, all these guys are for sure. Who else? Who else? We we got we got the Knicks playing a few games, and I know as a fellow team that is just writhing in mediocrity, you just got to hang on to everything you can find. And I'm sure you got a few, a few overreactions yourself watching your guy, Obi. I mean, yeah, he, he looked good. I mean, he didn't do actually, uh, he looking like he was about to go off in, the, in that first game, but he ended up kind of not, not doing anything overly impressive, but they're, they're kind of, he had a few short moments where you just kind of looked and you're just like, yeah, this guy knows, and this guy knows how to play basketball. This guy knows how to operate on an NBA court. And you just hope, you just hold on to those things. I mean, at the end of the day, you always look at preseason. You're like, if things are going good, you're like, okay, this is a sign. Things are going bad. If you're a good team, you're like, ah, oh, it's only in preseason. If you're a bad team, you're like, okay, we're just going <laughs> to suck again. So, yeah, I'm trying to hold on to whatever I can get here. I've liked the look of RJ. I mean, especially, obviously, in the loss, he, he put up 25 points, and he, he, looked, he looked good. Uh, my boy, Kevin Knox, still struggling, so that's not great. Uh, that's not great viewing for me. Then uh, Smith Jr., yeah, he's not really – he's not really – obviously, he hasn't had too many minutes on the floor, but he hasn't really been able to do anything overly impressive. I think just – the most surprising thing is the fact Mitchell Robinson's coming in off the bench. I just wonder, is that something we're going to see now for, for the regular season? That's kind of the biggest thing that's, that's kind of caught my eye during, during the couple of games against Detroit. So I'd, I'd say the biggest observation over there is that you're still giving RJ the keys. You're still seeing him. He's the main guy. I don't think New York is going to waver in that. And I think this season is RJ or die for you guys. You're going to live and die by RJ, whether you like it or not, it's going to, it's going to come down to that. That I think that's a very real thing that that's going to be the uh, New York Knicks experience. Yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely okay with that. Cause I do believe in RJ Barrett and I think he deserves the year to, to show that he is the guy that we thought he was when we drafted him. I mean, maybe we'll have a clearer picture come the end of the year. Maybe we'll, come to the realization that he that he might not be the guy that we thought and maybe we'll think okay we got a guy here and Obi Toppin's going to compliment him really well and this this duo is going to going to be able to take the next forward please god but yeah well, well we live in hope i think that the duo that everyone's talking about in new york unfortunately is not obi and rj but is kevin durant and kyrie irving and man like 
for all the overreactions that we've been seeing over this weekend, I mean, my jaw was just dropping that whole first quarter when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving stepped on the floor. And it looks like they didn't miss a single game of basketball over the last couple of years. I mean, the way Kevin Durant just started right into the game, got to his spots, and just looked comfortable. And that was the thing. Like, his first play of the game was a line drive, dunk at the rim. Next play, post up, get to his spot, get a shot playing lockdown defense, playing up and down the break. Like, he doesn't look at all like he's lost a step. And that's exactly what they were hoping for. It looks scary. Yeah, no, man, it, it, was, it, was, it was great to see, though. Uh, the, the biggest fear that I think I had, especially with KD, was he was going to come back and he was going to kind of play within himself a bit. But he went out there and you could see he was aggressive. He was playing... Just like he, just like he always has, he played like the dominant elite scorer of the league over the, over the last five six years, and that's kind of that's that was just great to see. I mean, Kyrie has given them a new nickname. They're 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 there seven eleven, you know. So we got we got we got a new name already. Is that not the worst nickname that you can possibly come up with? <laughs> but it wasn't very creative, anyway. <laughs> Like that's that's that, that's, where, that's where you go in the middle of the night for some mediocre snacks. <laughs> that is true. Yes, but uh, but it is good for that. I mean, I, <laughs> on a drunken uh, uh, when when you had a few too many beers and you need some and you need you need some soakage, it's, it's a good spot to go to. <laughs> I'm gonna need plenty of drinks to deal with all the comments Kyrie Irving has been having these past few days. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, well, the, the biggest thing is, yeah, uh, you can't argue what he did in the court. I mean. Played 17 minutes. He got 18 points. Went seven and nine from from the field. Two or three from three point land. I mean, he 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 looked he looked good. He looked sharp. I think uh, I'm this this duo. They look they look prime and ready to go. I mean, they look like they're ready to make up for that lost time last year. Yeah, I mean, he he came out. He clearly drowned out all the noise from all the pawns out there, right? That are <laughs> affecting his game and. <laughs> he looked just as comfortable. I mean, and I think the thing that really struck me with, with the Nets um, is my biggest concern for them was how are you going to involve Kyrie and KD in a way that is conducive to both of their games? Cause they need the ball. They need to create, and especially Kyrie. Um, and I, I don't know if you saw that Instagram live feed. So Kyrie Irving's not going to give any time to meet the media, but he's going to go on Instagram live with Kevin Durant and do a little, a little, his own personal media session there. But he's talking about, yeah, like, I'm like you, man. Like I need eight post-ups. Maybe I'll just do seven. And then Kevin Durant's like, yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> and it's like, it totally went over Kyrie's head. And he's like, well, no, I, I think I need seven. And Kevin's like, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But they share the ball exactly how you hope they would. And I think, the Kevin Durant that we came to see in Golden State, who went beyond just this ethereal scorer to an all-around offensive player, being able to play pick and roll, being able to be a playmaker, and being able to play off ball. Like he demonstrated that at every level. And I think Kevin Durant's the key for Kyrie. I think you're not going to change Kyrie. Kyrie is going to do what Kyrie does. But I think. Kevin Durant, not only on the offensive end, but you saw that he still is going to bring it on the defensive end. And again, we're talking about a few quarters here. So we'll, we'll, we'll save the, uh, the championship is a lock takes for uh, maybe a few months in, but it was fluid. There, there were no issues with it. And it was against uh, Raul Neto and Davis Bertans and Thomas Bryant, but it was still live basketball. Their system looks good. And looking at how the bench played too, like if they can all coalesce, man, this is a fun, fun team at the very least. Yeah, that's the minimum we were expecting from these guys. And I think uh, you look, you look at what they, uh, what, what they went and did there. I mean, obviously, it wasn't much, but they showed Brooklyn and the NBA everything that they wanted to see. So I mean, too early to make the call, but yeah. Def, definitely, definitely was a definitely was a good look for for a first for a first outing for KD and Kyrie. So, another star that we definitely need to keep talking about here, uh, a couple of them, 
And we'll, we'll talk the good and bad. I, I think these two guys really contrast each other well. We talk about James Harden last episode, about how he's really just putting himself in a hole here. And then we want to talk about Giannis, who broke the news today. No Woj bomb, no Shams. Giannis himself broke his own news, which I, I thought was, was perfect for him. Like, this is his story. This is, this is ultimately his decision. And he is signing the biggest extension in NBA history. He's pulling a Kobe. He's pulling a Tim Duncan. He's pulling a Dirk Nowitzki. He's going to be a buck. So I, I love this quote from him. He says, this is my home. This is my city. I'm blessed to be able to be a part of the Milwaukee Bucks for the next five years. Let's make these years count. And we'll see if they do. That's the big question. That, that is the big question. And the first thing I did when I saw that he was announcing that he was signing the Supermax, I put up a post on the Instagram page. I put up a poll. So guys, remember to check that out at Coast to Coast NBA on Instagram. And I asked the question, if the books continue to crap out in the playoffs over the next couple of seasons, should Giannis request a trade? He doesn't have an opt-out until uh, after year four. And it was, it was a mixed, it was a mixed review. So far I got 60% saying request a trade, 40% saying that he should stick it out and, and just give, give us all, give us all to Milwaukee. That's just going to be the interesting thing when, when you look at it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Giannis, Giannis absolutely deserves to get a contract like this. I mean, back-to-back MVP winner. He's been unbelievable for the Milwaukee team. He's turned that turned the franchise around. But this is a guy who wants to win. His guy wants rings. Next two years, they continue to fail to make it to the NBA Finals. I think he should be... And he should not feel guilty about strongly considering uh, making a trade request. Man, this is crazy. This is crazy, man. This is how the NBA works now, right? Like th- this guy hasn't, the ink hasn't dried on the contract yet. And everyone in the NBA is like, where is he going to go next? Like th- this should be, <laughs> and I hate that, man. Right. And I, the reason I hate that is like, this should be like such a victory moment for the Bucks organization. Like, the clouds are lifted, all the vultures have stopped circling, and the lights pouring through the clouds, and there's Giannis. He's staying, and he's going to stick it through. This is his home, and he said it. The show goes on. Let's get it, and I think that's just that defies this league's mentality that we've seen, like, possess all these star players. Ever since LeBron went to Miami, all these star players have been possessed with winning a championship at all costs and justifies the means. And I think that Giannis goes beyond that. Giannis wants to be not just a champion. He wants to be a champion and do it, maybe not the right way, but do it the old way. Do it with tradition. Do it with the team that brought him there. And who's doing the opposite? James Harden, James Harden, who the Rockets have given absolutely everything. I mean, James Harden is probably one of one of the most dynamic scorers of all time. I mean, people hate the way that he draws fouls, sure, but he's also the best at drawing fouls. Like he clearly has a talent that has gone beyond what we've seen in this era of basketball. But that still doesn't mean that this guy is just completely walking over the organization that brought him to where he is today. I don't, he's not a 36 point per game scorer without every single isolation they run for him. They've made this entire team for him. And this guy is trying to leave still. I mean, we're, we're seeing like, he's still, he's back in Houston now, but he's back in Houston just to tell them to their face. Yeah. I'm, I'm still out of here. Oh, John Wall looks good. I don't care. I still want out. Boogie looks good. I don't care. I don't, I want out. Like it, what, what, what does it take for them just to, just to say, I'll play basketball, but I, I don't know. What, what does it take for that? I, I don't know. That, that, I, don't, I, I don't even know if that moment is going to come here. I think that's kind of the biggest thing you wonder about. I, I would, it, he's too big of a start, I think, to, to go and say that he's going to refuse to play or anything crazy like that. 
And I mean, this, I, I will, hearing everything that's going on here, uh, it kind of brings me back to, well, two, two previous stories in NBA history. The first actually involved the Rockets with uh, Hakeem Olajuwon back in the day. Um, had some issues the end of the 92 season, had an injury, then refused to play, then got suspended. Then he gets his agent to demand the trade, threaten a lawsuit. The Rockets stay strong. They say, no, we're not trading you. Oh, and look what happens. He comes back, plays for the team, and they go and win back-to-back championships. Oh, well, worked out well for them. And the the main one that this comes back to would be Kobe in 2007. Uh You remember that? Kobe wanted to leave after back-to-back first round playoff exits he's upset with everything he's hating on the way the team is going he hates the players around him he's criticizing the gm the team as a whole they and a video even came out given out about how they didn't trade andrew bynum he was just a, a young guy then and they're, like the Lakers have put everything into this guy. They had traded Shaquille O'Neal over him. They had put all their eggs in the Kobe Bryant basket, and now he was asking out. What did they do? They stood strong, and a couple of years later, they win some. They win back-to-back championships. So we've seen this story before. It's just the question of how the Rockets want to play it. I mean, you always think in these situations, you look at it and you're like okay, this guy just doesn't want to be here anymore. It's going to be tough, but you're just going to have to accept it. I don't think that's the answer here. Uh, Although I think they could work a trade. I think it might not be the craziest decision to to try and hold out on on Harden. Absolutely not. And I mean, here's what it comes down to, right? You could, so even, so the, the, the most recent trade offer was um, Rockets asking for three first rounders and Ben Simmons which like on a surface level, it's like, oh, you can't give up Ben Simmons and three first rounders. Like, there's no way you can do that. And, but in reality, is Ben Simmons better than James Harden? Will Ben Simmons ever be better than James Harden? No, never. And, and what chance do you have that any of those picks are gonna turn to James Harden? Slim to none. This guy is a generational player and you just don't get rid of generational players. You don't trade Kobe, you don't trade Harden. I'm not comparing the two by any means at all, but you just don't trade a guy who's a walking playoff berth. He's going to take you as close as you can possibly get. And if the, the goal is always a championship or reset, like you're going to be looking at pretty long years of resetting and they've come close. They've sniffed the finals too close with him for them to give up on it. And I mean, we're doing a deep dive, so let's jump into it right now. Like, you can sell Harden on this team. I mean, we're not going to overreact to what we've seen, but in the spirit of uh, doing so, I'm going to, because John Wall looks freaking good, man. Like, he looks like John Wall. And just like we talked about how Kyrie Irving stepped on the court and looked good, Kevin Durant stepped on the court, looked good. John Wall stepped on the court and looked like John Wall. Like, there was no doubt about it. I mean, Boogie stepped on the court, and he looked healthy. He looks spry. He looks lean. He doesn't look slower. He doesn't look any less explosive. He doesn't look any less physical. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to be healthy all season because that's the biggest question mark for all these guys who are returning this year. But to have those two players, to add them in a season like this, and if it works out, like Harden's just got to suck it up and play. Like suck it up and play with two guys who could legitimately be like top, top 30 players if they're healthy. I think, yeah, I think it's it's crazy of him to, to look at this and say, I don't want it here. I think the, 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 the thing in his head has to be the fact that he doesn't believe these two guys are going to be able to go the whole season. I think that has, that has to be the only reason that he is doubting them. I mean, if you look at these two guys as individuals, look at John Wall. His last, basically his last full year was the actually the 16-17 season. Uh, field goal percentage but around 45%, three-point percentage, around 33. It's not not too impressive, but playing alongside James Harden, you're okay. Uh, 
he was averaging near 11 assists, over two steals, 23 points a game. I mean, this guy is mega talented. And since that, that was obviously, it was a great season for him. But since then, he's barely been able to get any sort of run of form playing. I think since that season, I think he played over 76 games. I think he's played 72 combined since then, which is kind of crazy. And then Boogie's another one. He struggled with his injuries. His last kind of season where he played over 40 games was back when he was with AD in New Orleans. Shot 47% from the field, 35% from three. He was averaging 13 boards a game, over five assists, over one and a half steals, and 25 points per game. And this is with an offense that was centered around Anthony Davis. They were, they were almost equals. Like This is a guy that was on the level of, of AD. Obviously, AD is a, a transcendent two-way talent, but he hasn't shown as much on the defensive end. But, but yeah, like even if you get 80% of these guys, 80%. Like, and, and I get what you're saying about the, the health too. Like if, if that, if that rings true for Harden, I get it because you, you lost the series against the Warriors where if Chris Paul was healthy, that wouldn't have happened. And, but also if James Harden didn't lay an egg in every single one of those games that uh, they also might've won too. So th- there's also that. So I talked myself out of it. I don't buy it. He has no excuse. He has no excuse at all. And like, it comes down to what I was saying earlier, like the Rockets, when they dealt for him from the Thunder, they, they looked at him. They didn't say, Hey, you're, you're an off ball guard. You're going to be a really good off ball guard. No, they, they said, you are going to be our superstar. And they turned him into a superstar. Like he became James Harden in Houston they did everything for him down to the fact that you heard these stories that are coming out about how, when they're on road trips, if James Harden likes the city he's in, they're going to stay an extra night. And that's because James Harden wants to stay an extra night. If James Harden goes to the strip club and a little too, a little bit of a late night for him to show up to practice the next morning, James Harden doesn't go to practice. So, and no one beats an eye, no one says anything. So, this I think this is the this is a perfect example of player empowerment going too far. I'm all for a player's league. Like you, you don't have the Houston Rockets without James Harden, and that's also a fact. But you don't have James Harden without everything the Rockets have done to make him who he is today, to feature him. Like he is an international star there. He's done things on that team that have made history in terms of his his step back three, like the step back three, that's that's James Harden. Like he he basically revolutionized a part of basketball in Houston because they let him do all this shit. So like he's got to have a little bit of like self-reflection and just look at the team that is just asking him to give him another chance. Like it's 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 not that it's not that hard. And if he wants to just sit at home. Or hang out in Vegas and get fined for for not showing up. Go for it. You're you're. Let's remember, James Harden is 31. Like he's not a young dude anymore. Like his window is approaching and ends much quicker than I think people think it is. He's not going to be the same guy by the end of his contract, especially if he's not even going to play. And that's all I have to say about that. I'm I'm done with James Harden. I. Just, just go play basketball. Like, not, the Rockets should not and will not trade him. And if they do, they're idiots. They're idiots. Yeah, absolutely. That's the biggest thing uh, you say. Just go go, go play. I mean, of course, you talk about the window closing. That, that's a fair point. But I think this team, they deserve one more year out of him. I think he should be willing to do it. Of course, got a first-year head coach. But they got John Wall looking good. They got Boogie looking good. I mean, this could be a really fun team with James Harden. At the helm, and I think they they should definitely go for it. Um, but yeah, let's we'll move away from Harden. We'll we'll keep talking Rockets role players. We'll, we'll start with one of your guys, Christian Wood. What, what what do you think is his role with this Rockets so he team? He hasn't seen the court yet, but I mean we we've talked about him uh, really briefly. Um, wherever he's been, he's demonstrated an elite ability to roll to the rim. And we, we talked about how James Harden and Clint Capella 
that was the most dynamic pick and roll duo when they were there together in Houston in the league. And Christian Wood is more than capable of fulfilling a lot of that. And he was among the top five in the league and points scored as the role man. And that's just in the, the 20 minutes he was playing a game over, over in Detroit. So you upgrade not only his minutes, but you upgrade his, his playmaker to James Harden. I mean, that, that guy right there, he's going to make more of an impact, I think, even than, than Boogie can if he, if he plays to the level I think he can. And not only that, I mean, he's a, he's a really good three-point shooter. I mean, this guy can stroke it from not just the corner. You don't just have to have him on an island in the corner. He can shoot it from the, the top of the arc. Like, this guy, I think, is going to make such an impact on spacing, um, and they don't have to resort to the super small ball, the ultra small ball. What do they call it? The, the mega small ball, the super small ball. Yeah, it's just, just small ball. Houston, ultra you know, small ball. No, there is something. You think you think you think you definitely think he's he's been brought in to start you. I I I think your ideal starting lineup and it is that's a good question. I mean, where where do you see PJ Tucker in this lineup? Is he is he lining up as your starting four? Marcus Cousins is your starting five. Then you got Eric Gordon is your starting three. James Harden at the two. John Wall at the one. I think that I mean that right there. That's that's a good, good, good starting lineup. Eric, Eric Gordon is one of the league's most underrated defenders at the wing and in the post. I mean the dude the dude looks like a fullback. He defends like a fullback. And then you got PJ Tucker, who Anthony Davis, the best power forward in the league. I mean he he looks he looked like a like a weak. 18-year-old Anthony Davis on, on the Pelicans, like when he was posting up on P.J. Tucker. I mean, that guy fights, and that guy totally deserves whatever extension that the Rockets gave to him for playing the center at 6'5 all year long. I mean, this guy was banging against Steven Adams. This guy was banging against Anthony Davis. Like, he was banging against the biggest guys in the league. And if you can play him at the four and you can put him against some of these some of these guys like your Jason Tatum's of the world, like you have a very solid defensive front right there. And we already touched on the game of John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. I, I think you have a starting five like there. That's legit. To have Christian Wood coming off the bench, you you sent you send John Wall to the bench. You got Harden running the point and you run a whole lot of the pick and roll that he wants. Give him all of that with Christian Wood. And he's going to be happy with that. Daniel House too. I mean, this guy's is is super underrated for his impacts. I mean, you make all the jokes you want about what happened in the bubble, but this guy's a legit three and D guy. Like he he's not afraid to take those shots. Ben McElmore has seen a huge comeback as a, as a role player for this team. They they got a lot of guys. They, they they still have a lot of juice left on this team, despite I don't even know how they keep recycling all these all these players into legitimate teams. But he's got enough around him for sure. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the biggest thing. I mean obviously. Eric Gordon kind of struggled a bit last year compared to uh, compared to the previous season, but I think he can bump his numbers back up. Obviously, defense is a big thing with him as well, but he can bump his offensive numbers back up. You get the same out of PJ Tucker. You know what you're going to get out of PJ Tucker. This is a guy who just gives everything he's got. Got a solid three ball, but on the offensive end, you just kind of obviously doesn't get that many chances playing with James Harden. But you you kind of hope he uh, contributes just just a little bit more. And you hope that the, the kind of issues that he seems to be having with his contract doesn't really doesn't really come to fruition on the court. You ho- you think that he he he'll just keep continue to play his game and the Rockets eventually give him what he deserves. But yeah, this this is a this is a Rockets team that Harden uh just go and play with them. This is this is this is a legit contender and this is a healthy this team stays healthy for the year, they're gonna be very, very interesting come playoff time. I mean, they, they can, like, let's, let's, like, think about that really quick. Like, put the Rockets in a seven-game series with the Lakers as currently constructed, and I think they, they take them to at least six. I think if, if both John Wall and, and DeMarcus Cousins are actually truly healthy the whole season, I, they, have, they have a chance. I mean, and that's all, that's all you want in this league. Like, you, you, you just need a chance. No one gave the Heat a chance. 
they gave themselves a chance and they made it to the finals. You just need to try and make it there. And the Rockets have been so close, but it's all up to James Harden. Everything's in his hands. And I think I've had enough of James Harden. He's, he's been a little bit too much on, on, uh, on my mind on this pod. And I think we're, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we're done, we're going to jump into a couple teams who I think, and I know you believe in one of them, are going to make a big, big jump this year. Yeah, you. You listened this far, whether you fell asleep, left your phone in the room, or maybe you liked what you heard. So please don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can get our content every week. In the Christmas spirit, we are doing a special giveaway for our day one listeners, and all you have to do is be subscribed to the pod, follow us on Twitter at CoastNBA, and Instagram at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast for a chance to win. Now, back to the pod. All right, guys, so we're back and we're going to talk about the Timberwolves. And I want to know what you think, seeing them these past couple of games. Did you like what you've seen so far? You're, I know you're, big, you're a big cat guy. You're, you're, you're a big Carl Anthony Towns guy. I'm not so sure if I'm as sold, but some initial reactions, maybe overreactions you had. Offense, I'm loving what I'm seeing. I mean, this this is a team that has some serious, serious offensive talent. Uh, like I, I'm not, I, I would be expecting this team to be pushing for for a top ten spot in terms of offense in in the NBA. That's how good I think they can be. Oh yeah. But defensive issues seem to they they they're still pretty big with this T Wolves team. I mean. From what I've seen and from what I expect of this team, I'm kind of looking at it right now. They're going to be a fun team, but they're going to be a team that are going to be right there battling for the for the play-in tournament come the end of the season. I, I think that's that. I agree. I totally agree with that. I think that's where they're they're ultimately going to be. But I, I think there's there's a serious there's a serious possibility that I, I think that's their floor. I think they definitely make it there, but this could be a year where, where they push higher than that. Um, and the reason I say that, I mean, there's, there's a couple of things when you look at this team as it's currently constructed, they have serious wing depth and that's number one, having depth this year of all years. That's the biggest thing. If you had, especially having depth at the wing, that's something that a lot of teams don't have. I mean, that's a luxury. And when you talk about Carl Anthony Towns, I know for a fact that he's not going to, he's him and, and D'Angelo Russell, I think, I don't know if there's a staff for this, but they have to be probably the best worst defenders on their team. Like the, the fact that they are going to be the best players on their team, hands down, but they're prop they are probably the worst defenders on their team. And like, I'm, I, I can't think of a situation where that just works. That, that just doesn't work in terms of winning basketball. You don't, you don't look up to your best, your best guys on the team as leaders and see Carl Anthony Towns fouling a smaller guard, this guy with a, with a plus seven foot wingspan. I mean, he, like, it's crazy to me that he has this elite athleticism, step, doing step back threes, Euro steps, taking it up the court, and he just doesn't have the footwork to like, he still doesn't have the footwork to be a help defender, to help off the pick and roll. And I think that's going to really limit their, their ability to take it further. And do the same thing for D'Angelo Russell. I mean, this guy is from day one, has not been a good defender. I mean, he still can't get over or under screens. He just gets lost. I mean, and that watching him against um watching him against John Morant. And that was without Jaron Jackson. I mean, they Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant, you got to think you're playing that, playing that team and the playing tournament, they're going to run that pick and roll all day long and just score every time on that. Like that, that's, I think that's the biggest glaring hole and you, you nailed it right on the head, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what the, the pieces around them can add up to. 
And any guys on this team that that strike you? Jared Culver is one. I think uh, he 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 definitely looks like he's improved. Obviously, we've only seen a couple of preseason games, but. <laughs> That's we'll interesting. Get, that was we'll the last guy I probably would have thought you would have yeah. said. <laughs> we won't go too crazy, but it, it's a guy, he looks like he's improved on, on both ends of the court and especially on defense, which obviously uh, no team's defense is all about one player uh, unless it's a cohesive unit. Defense is nothing. But yeah, the, this is a guy heading into his second year. I think he looks like he's worked hard uh, since... since uh, well, since March, basically, for, for the T-Wolves. But, uh, yeah, I think this is a guy that needs a big second year and shown good signs compared to some of the other some of the other players off the, off the Timberwolves. Um, looking, at, looking at one Anthony Edwards, uh, maybe looking like we got an Andrew Wiggins 2.0 here, maybe. <laughs> I already said it. I predicted it. I, I thought that was a... That was a, you know, that was the no-brainer pick, but that was the trap. It was it was a trap. They had to, they almost had to pick him, but you know, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be tough if that ends up being what they got on that team. But I I, I wanna I wanna point out one thing for Jared Culver. He, I mean, he's got to really figure it out. I mean, he was user lottery pick last year, but he was not as good as Josh Okogie. Josh Okogie is just a all-around better player than him at this point. He can, I, he's arguably a better defender right now. Even though Jared Culver like just oozes defensive potential. I mean, he when when he's out there and he's active, like he's like a he looks like a Mikhail Bridges out there. And then you and then you he oozes the talent of thinking about oh, what if he's he can also be a, a primary playmaker. But this is also the guy that, although in in a weird situation perhaps like he's still averaging more turnovers than he was three pointers he was shooting barely barely 30 percent from threes barely hitting 48 percent overall like his efficiency needs to take a step up i don't know if it's going to happen for him and i it's going to be tough for him to crack a rotation when you got when you got uh beasley on here too because i mean he's a legitimate spark plug scorer he can play defense in in some limited situations, and he can definitely definitely rebound the ball. And for a team that's really just trying to get up and down, to have a a three a three point uh, microwave scorer like Beasley, he's 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 probably going to see a lot more minutes. And then you talk about you got to play Edwards. So where, where do you even find time for a Culver to see the floor when when you also talk about? who John Hollinger said was the best value signing of the offseason. I, I actually agree with him. Ronnie Hollis Jefferson. I mean, that, that guy you need on the court too, to, if you want to have maybe, 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 maybe a shot at not being a bottom, bottom three defensive team in the league. You got to have him out there on the court. I, I don't know where you find time for Jared Culver to play around with his potential in a year where they need to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I have liked what I've seen, but where the when you really look at it as a whole, then that's kind of where where what it comes down to. Like, is he gonna have shown enough to to be considered a, a key member of this rotation? There, uh, pro- probably not. But end of the day, this Timberwolves team it's gonna come down to two guys, and that's Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Cat, I mean, I want to see this guy return to an all-NBA level. I want him pushing near the best bones of, of 30 points per game. And from D'Lo, I mean, give me the Brooklyn Nets D'Lo from, uh, from two years ago. You see that form on offense and just, just, just want to know. Obviously, he's never going to be a great defender, but you just want to know that he is working hard. You just want to be able to see he's working hard to improve himself on defense and he's working to improve his kind of exceed his limits. We've always seen him as a very limited player when it comes to defending, but you just kind of hope that he works hard. And of course, Kat, like I got so much respect for this guy. I mean, he's had a, he has had an even more horrible 2020 than most of us have. And that's, that's saying something. I just hope he can come back 
and uh, and hopefully and hopefully be inspired and and just show that bit more on defense. We know he's got all the tools in the book to be an elite offensive player, but he can definitely offer this team more on defense. And if he can do that, it might just push them push them a, a little bit closer to making a bit more of an impact on the on the Western Conference. Yeah, I think. I think I think you're right on the money when when you had that prediction earlier. They're they're going to be right in contention there for the eighth seed, and it's gonna it's it's gonna be funny because what it's gonna take for them in order to actually make it to the playoffs, in my opinion, is it's gonna be having a top five offense because that's the only way you can maximize this team because the best version of this team is gonna be with Anthony Edwards being a productive rookie and. D'Angelo Russell starting, you got to have him on the court with Carl Anthony Townsend and whoever you throw in at the wing there. But it's it's going to be up to whoever's on the wing to be playing defense. And and I feel bad for whoever that is. I mean, it's going to be a whole lot of uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who, who, by the way, like, did, did you see his face mask that he was wearing in the preseason? <laughs> I mean, dude looked like iRobot. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> I, I would not, I would not want to be the, the second the ball touched my hands. If I'm facing, I'm, I'm passing that right back out. <laughs> it, it looks scary, but I think, you know, you talk about your guy, a cat and something that's really underrated for him is his passing. And in order to elevate this team beyond what they were last year, they're, they're a good offensive team, but in order for them to be an elite offensive team, he could be, a triple double threat. I mean, he can play make, he can get to his spots and he can pass out of the post. He can pass in the pick and roll. I mean, even give him a chance to do a little, a little bit of a big and small pick and roll, do that mismatch. And you see how well Edwards can move without the ball. I mean, he talked about it in his, uh, in his uh, pre-draft interviews, like how he's a natural too and moving off the ball. And you saw it in his tape as well. And you saw flashes of it in these preseason games. Edwards is an elite cutter right now, I think. And you can make him the most productive player if he's cutting. You can make D'Lo the most productive player if he doesn't have to be running all these offensive sets. If you can hand off part of that to Rubio, who actually, I, I look at him as a backup point guard. He might be one of the best backup point guards in the league right now. Sitting over there in Minnesota. So they got, they got a chance here. It, what it comes down to... I think is it's going to be how much better can Cat and D'Lo get on defense? Can they be kind of bad? Because I think right now they project to be really, really bad. And you you look around the the West Coast, and you, you look at all the the pick and roll pairs that are going to eat them alive. If they can be kind of bad, that's that's enough. And if Cat can be a better playmaker. If maybe it comes down to Jared Culver, your guy Jared Culver, if he can figure it out, but they they have a chance here. They they have a chance here, and they they need it. And there's another team that needs it too. And probably what this is probably going to end up being the the playoff play in matchup. I think the Phoenix Suns. Your guy Devin Booker. What do you think? It's D book, man. You can't be calling and I'll have to call him Devin anymore. You know, he doesn't he doesn't like that. It Devin. makes him uncomfortable. I I don't I don't get it. <laughs> that, that's your name, dude. Like I don't understand how for your, your first name you've had all your whole life. I'm, I'm uncomfortable hearing that now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm 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 happy with D book. But yeah, D book is my guy. I love I love Devin Booker's game, and. I can only see it getting better this year because they have added Chris Paul to their team and to their backcourt. And I think this is going to be a huge, huge year for Devin Booker. Uh, it kind of needs to be. It's it's his time to step up. Um, he's had two big scoring years the last couple of years. And now I'm just like, okay, I've seen you can do it. Now, show me it while also boosting this team up to being contenders to make the playoffs. That's the one thing we have yet to see from Devin Booker as as a leader and as the best player on his team. Um, 50-40-90. 50-40-90. Uh, 
Are you in the De- oh, Devin Booker needs to make all NBA camp? There's a lot, a lot of people are really high on him. And like, I get it. I, I totally get it. But is all NBA, is that your, is that your expectation? Are you, are you on that island? Absolutely. I think he's got a, I think first team, he's definitely capable and he could do it. But when you're competing with, uh, with guys like James Harden and the likes, it's kind of tough to make that break into all NBA first team. Yeah, not yet. But you're crazy. Definitely, <laughs> definitely get in there. Definitely, like obviously, was the, the guy, got three three All NBA teams. I mean, he's definitely got to make. I I I think he has to make one of them. And if he do, if he doesn't make one of them, either it's going to be a crazy call, or he's going to have not done enough to get the Phoenix Suns to the playoffs. I think that's what it's going to come down to. Come down to uh, Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, those guys, my guy Zach Levine, <laughs> Zach Maybe. Zach Levine, I. I'd love to do a, a. I think I'm probably the only person on this island that thinks that Zach Levine is just as good as Devin Booker is, but we'll we'll leave that alone for right now. Hey, we'll, that's a, that's wait, a we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see this year. This, <laughs> we won't this, jump down there. This is a year where they could go toe to toe with each other and show and show what they're really made of. And we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that. But let's look at Chris Paul. Oh, Chris Paul. Okay. Um, man, he. There's nothing to take away from from preseason. I mean, he's he's not he's got nothing to prove. He doesn't have to do anything out there on the court. But the one thing that I want people to think about when you think about Chris Paul and his impact on this team is yes, it's going to be wins, but mainly it's going to be elevating these players on this team. So what do you see when you look at this Sun squad? You see a lot of young guys. So yeah, we talk about book we talk about this guy who could be an all nba player so he's already well on his way but you got guys like mikhail bridges you got guys like um deandre ayton you got guys who have the potential to be very 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 good players i mean i'm i'm not i'm not sure where i'm at right now with deandre ayton and can he be a star will he be a star I'm more interested to see if if he can show it on the defensive end before we start talking about that. But Chris Paul has shown the ability to unlock players' potential and just ask Shea Gilgis Alexander. Look at look at the effect that CP3 had on that Thunder team, and look at the effect that I mean it was it was just in one year, but Chris Paul undoubtedly had an effect on the Rockets team and and how that team got way 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 more efficient when he was on the court if he can unlock the talent that's on this phoenix team that could be what it is that that that's worth all his money on the contract if even if he's not going to be scoring more than 15 points per game i think he's going to see a big dip in his his scoring this year but just his his ability to teach these players and his ability to be a floor general and maybe even show Devin Booker what it means to be a floor general. Because right now, I mean, the, the passing on on this team is is leaves you for wanting. You want to see a little bit more guard uh, playmaking from Devin Booker. Yeah, yeah. Like, as you say, with Paul, like, I literally have that written down right here. Chris Paul, I want to see him contribute, but mainly I just want to see him making the rest of the team better. That's what Absolutely. I'm. That's what I'm looking for, Chris Paul. I mean, this guy had a great year last year, Chris Paul. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised. He's a supreme talent. Shot near 50% from the field. He shot 37% from three, 91% from the line, averaging over 17 points. And he was the key to the Thunder going to the playoffs. I mean, he was awesome last year. And I think he just reminded everyone of just how good of a player that he was. And that was kind of, that was the biggest thing about him to kind of get, get one more shot at showing the world that this is a, this guy is a future hall of famer i mean don't for don't don't ever forget that and i think he can do that this year talk about deandre ayton i really believe in this guy i think he's someone that's continuously improving of course former number one pick this is a guy i think he can easily be a 2010 guy this year and as you say the biggest thing that he has to work on is defensive improvements and he certainly has the size and the athleticism to become 
a quality defender. It just depends on whether he wants to put the work in. That's that's the that's the biggest thing. Great defense is about about hard work. Uh, the offense is going to come naturally because this is just a naturally gifted guy. But hard, great defense takes hard work, and if he's willing to put that in, it could be huge for this Phoenix team. So we were just talking about the Timberwolves before before them. I mean, where do you where do you see both of them in terms of of ranking? It's kind of hard to say because you look at there's a couple of teams that are kind of go, probably going to drop off in the Western Conference. I I'm going to put the Suns at the seventh spot, and I'm going to put Timberwolves at the nine, but within reaching distance for for the eight seed. I'd agree with that. I'd say it's pretty close. I, I think they're both. Uh, I think when we break it down, they're both going to be fighting for that that eight seed. Um, but I, I think it really comes down to, you're right, DeAndre Ayton too. So how how much of an impact is Chris Paul going to make on DeAndre Ayton? And you saw flashes of it. You saw that that pick and roll played a few times out last night and it looked good. It looked natural. And I mean, DeAndre Ayton, maybe he's not going to be an elite player in terms of being a top 10 this, top 15 that. But in terms of offense and his impact and the paint like this guy is elite I mean this guy's not only massive he can stroke it he can play in the mid-range you saw how he started to extend his three-point range at some in certain points and I I think that if you can unlock this team again like if if you can get more out of these guys and Mikhail Bridges, like, I can't say enough, like, about his defense last year. I mean, he – and this is not even an overstatement. Like, defensively speaking, I mean, he had the same defensive impact as Kawhi Leonard. Like, he already is the league's – one of the league's best defenders. To have him be a two-way player, I mean, that – he could easily make a jump from being a, you know, a, a top a top 100 guy – who's a really good defender, but maybe doesn't do much else. Like he's still growing in terms of his offensive abilities. If he starts to put his shooting together, if he starts to put together um, more on the offensive end with Chris Paul, like you make a huge jump, a huge jump. And you're talking about now a, a big three, if, if they can get it all sorted out. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think that's kind of the biggest thing that they're, you have to think Phoenix are hoping for that. That's what they get out of Chris Paul, really. Because, of course, Chris Paul, 35 years old, he's coming to the end of his career. But if he can help to develop these guys, when Chris Paul's time is done in Phoenix, Phoenix are going to be just fine. I think his role is to contribute. Of course, he's still a talented player. But... It's to make others better. It's to get them back into the playoffs and basically build the bridge for this team to take that next step. That that's that's what that's what it's going to come down to. And obviously, you're talking about uh, talk about bridges. I think I, I, I'm also a big fan of his, and I think he's definitely a guy that's capable of making the jump. And I think the situation this year, I think he kind of kind of pressures on him a little bit. Not nothing major, but a little bit to, to make to make that jump this year. Mm-hmm. And I I think another thing about Chris Paul, he has this impact on the on the floor. He has the impact on these players developing, and obviously he has that impact on Devin Booker getting better. But he's still got two years left on his contract, and you got to imagine that that's you 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 avoid as an organization the situation that you see across the league where your star player is, is, is fed up. Your star player wants to get out. Chris Paul fixes that for you. So people are, are talking about how that his contract is so disgusting and so ugly and how are they going to deal with that? It doesn't matter. He's the adult in the room. And even if he's not even producing next year, not, not don't even talk about this year. I, I think they're going to make the playoffs. And I think they're, they're probably going to be facing a team with the likes of the Clippers and not make it out of the first round. But when you have CP3 there, that's a stabilizing force in your organization. That's a chance for your team to grow without Devin Booker being upset, without Devin Booker being impatient. I think he's going to have a little bit more patience having a guy like Chris Paul alongside him to kind of show him the way and show him that it takes some time. 
And for a guy like Chris Paul, he's had plenty of patience in his career, not having uh, gone too far. But just a, a quick look at, at some of these other guys. Um, and we talk about Chris Paul's 35 years old. Javon Carter has to be the oldest looking 25 year old I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes it's a, I'm, I'm kind of scared like to what he's going to look like at 35. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but no joke. Javon Carter is a legitimate uh, piece off the bench. He plays really hard on the defensive end. I mean, you, you gotta have these guys, especially the, you have the defensive impact of Chris Paul and you're going to have the defensive impact of a guy like Carter off the bench. He can shoot up a little bit from three. You can trust him in some limited sets on the offensive end. Please God, I, I don't want to see Cameron Payne on that floor. I, I, I would hate for Phoenix to, to have to deal with that again. Um, but then Cameron Johnson, who quietly was one of the best catch and shoot players in the league last year. The guy that everyone told, said, oh, you reached for him. They Maybe they reached, but they got a legitimate, potentially top 10 three-point shooter next year in him, Jay Crowder. I mean, I, I don't know who they got, though. Did they, did they get good Jay Crowder or bad Jay Crowder? That's the question. If, if they got the heat, Jay Crowder. Maybe. Yeah, that's that's what I'm looking at. I'm thinking if they get if, if Jay Crowder's got his head in the game and he's ready to perform like he did for Miami, that's a great pickup. But, of course... You never know what you're gonna get with Jay Crowder. He's been a, he's had he's had a very topsy turvy career. Uh, I hope for the Suns and I hope for Crowder himself that he can continue the form he showed in Miami and uh, have a positive impact on this team. Um, but look at a rookie then, Jalen Smith. If he can come in in his rookie year and be be an effective three and D guy, I mean that that could that could be huge for this Phoenix team. Are are the Phoenix Suns? the most reachiest drafting organization in the league you you, you reached for for Aiton you reached for Jalen Smith you reached for Johnson I mean it's just it's hard it's hard to get it right all the time and and the fact that the Suns have been have had such high picks because of their struggles over the last few years I mean I, I, I think yeah, they can't, you can't get it right all the time, but I think uh, in their picks with Booker and Aiden, they've got two guys to build a franchise around. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, you you, you got to wonder what's what's going to happen of uh, Josh Jackson if he ever figures it out somewhere else. All, all their long-lost lottery picks scattered across the league, just like the 76ers. But the last guy I think is a little bit intriguing is Dario Sarge. So he's another guy that really, really thrived in the bubble. And I, I don't think it's just the, the statistical anomaly of being in the bubble. I think he was, he was really starting to hit his stride with this team after being with the 76ers for so long and, and trying to get used to what it was like to play on the Suns. And, I mean, th- this guy was shooting not 50, 40, 90. He was shooting 57, 50, 93. He was – as efficient as he's ever been. He was scoring almost 15 points, grabbing eight rebounds. And it was his playmaking and the ability to trust him um, in having the ball in his hands. I mean, something that you you saw um, in limited periods with the 76ers, having an additional playmaker like that from your big, you see across the, you see how, how a guy like Sabonis has changed the game for the Pacers, how obviously Jokic has, has changed that for them having a light version of that with the Suns, I mean, I, that's, that's going to have a sneaky impact on how they can, how they can play with all their off ball shooters, with all their off ball cutters. He's going to be not a make or break, but he could be a sneaky piece in making this team the efficient offensive machine that it can be. Yeah, absolutely. And you think um, whether I say, I, I, I would assume that he's going to be starting, but regardless, I think he, he they just hope he, he, he continues that same flow, that same flow of form he, he, he showed in the bubble. And yeah, they got, they got a serious piece here. That's, that's really going to, he's not going to be the difference maker for them, but he can, he's going to be that guy that when we see them have success, 
the the media is going to look at and they're going to say this is the guy this is the guy that makes that makes this team tick that's that's mm-hmm. kind of what you're looking at search in that sort of way not to be the big impactful guy but when you look at it when you take a step back and you have a look at it this team succeeds you're going to be looking at yeah this search guy you know he's he's kind of been that unexpected guy that's that's really shown up for them you know yeah i i think so and i i think this team is really interesting for me that you got these two teams kind of on the outside looking in and the West is as always stacked and it's going to be tough for, for some of these teams to, to get in. And honestly, Doncic said it best, whoever is going to be healthy is going to, whoever doesn't have COVID is going to be the, one of the best teams. We'll see which of these teams, all these teams we're going to stay healthy. We're, we're already seeing how, you're having cases show up across these teams. It's not even the end of preseason yet. And you just got to hope that that it just continues to go smoothly and we don't have to deal with any stoppages in play. And we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens. We still got some preseason games coming up. We finished our deep dives here on the Suns and the Wolves. We finished up finally the, the Giannis saga. And the Harden one is not quite done yet. And I imagine won't be done for some time. Um, what, what do we got on, on the menu for, for our next episode? We're, we're thinking some more Western Conference. We want to wrap this up. We got to keep talking Western Conference. There's other teams similar to the, the Suns and the Bulls, the likes of the Pelicans. I mean, forgetting about that guy, Zion. He, he could be he could, the next LeBron is what he was being touted as. We're, hopefully, we're going to get to see if what his potential this year. The Pelicans ready to make a big jump. What's the future hold for the likes of LA and um, both teams there, they're, they're both expected to be right up there. I mean, the Western conference is going to be so interesting this year and we are going to be analyzing the contenders and we'll be taking a deep dive at our guy, Luka Doncic and the Dallas That's Mavericks great. too. I, w- I wasn't, I wasn't going to let you curate that list without having my guy Luka on there. I, I really, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. We'll see what ends up happening with with, uh, him and KP, if if KP can stay healthy. And we'll be diving into that in the next few days. Guys, thanks for hopping on with us. This is our second episode. We'll keep coming out with with all this content as the season keeps rolling on. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, to stay up to date, interact with us, and maybe hear your content played here as well. And Ronan, thanks for hopping on with me, man. Yeah, I'll see you next awesome. time. See you, bro. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.